Miller, and I'm the director of the youth and the young adults here at Northgate Church. Um, And because I'm a youth pastor, I have this just sense of obligation to begin messages off with fun. You know, having some kind of a little game of some form. Um, So, we're going to be starting today's message off with playing a little version of charades. It's going to be a super simple version. I just need two volunteers are going to be coming up. Okay. Um, actually, I see one hand back there, so I'm going to pick the uh, the young guy back there. You can come on up, and then I see another one right over here, so you can come on up. I'm going to have you guys stand over on this side of the stage, okay? And so the way you're going to be playing this game is I have some slips in this bucket right here. You're going to draw a slip out, and it's going to have an animal on it. Okay, and you're going to act out the animal, and then as soon as you hear somebody out in the audience uh, shout out the animal that was on that name or on that slip, then that's the end of your turn. Um, I have candy for you also. That's another one of those youth pastor things. You learn to bribe people with candy a lot in youth ministry. So here's the candy. Um, Okay, so do you guys want to shout your names out to everyone else or... Ryan and Chase. Okay, good job, guys. So I'm going to have Chase go first. Go ahead and draw a slip. There you go. Okay, and you can act it out, man. Ooh. There we go. Cat. Very good, buddy. Here you go. You can put the slip. uh, Yeah, you can stick it back in there. Okay, let's give him a hand. Good job, man. Okay, and here you go. (laughs) Cat, get one. It's a dog. Good job, buddy. You can go ahead and here's your candy bar. There you go. Go ahead down. So good job, man. Good job. Okay, so... You guys probably have already guessed this, um, but the reason why we're playing this game isn't, you know, just because I'm a youth pastor and I like to have fun and all that kind of stuff. Um, There is an illustration that's tied to this. And um, the illustration, I believe that it's really, really applicable to our personal lives, but it's also going to tie into the message really well. And the illustration that I wanted you guys to get out of this game of shreds is that the identities we take on changes everything about us. So in the game of trades, you know, you pull out a slip and you read that there's a, a, a name, there's an identity on the slip. And that identity is something you take on yourself. And the identity, when you take it on, it determines how you're going to act. It determines what you're going to do. Okay, so if it says gorilla, like my slip says, that means I'm going to start beating my chest and acting like a gorilla, okay? Um, so that concept doesn't just apply to the game of trades. But it also applies to our lives. Okay, so we're going into 2022. The identities that you, be, that you guys will take on to yourselves, the things that you believe about yourselves going into 2022, is going to have an effect on what you're going to accomplish in your lives. It's going to affect who you become in 2022. Um, now, I don't want us to just be thinking about this in the general sense Um, But I want us to more specifically be applying this principle to our spiritual lives, though. Because the reality is, is that when we became Christians, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we take on a new identity. Christ gave us a new identity. 
um, we sang about that in the songs. You know, um, one of the songs talked about how, you know, I'm a child of God. That's an identity. That's something that we take a hold of in our lives. And we're like, yes, I am a child of God. Um, we're no longer slaves to fear. That's another identity. That's a part of who we are in Jesus Christ. Um, we are who he says we are. So these things, this identity, it's supposed to change everything about us in our lives. You know, whenever we think about ourselves, our identity in Christ is supposed to inform us on how we think about ourselves, how we think about other people, how do we react to the world and the things happening in this world. All of that is supposed to be determined by the identity we have in Jesus Christ. Now, there's a problem, though. The problem is, is that in this world, especially in this culture, we get distracted from our identities. We forget about our identities in Jesus Christ. And so what happens is we get distracted from who Jesus really is. Um, we forget about what he has accomplished for us in our lives. And we forget about how that is supposed to give us this identity. And because we forget about these things, what it ends up doing is it leads us into uh, slipping back into our old identities. We slip back into old habits, old lifestyles, old mentalities that don't match up with what a Christian is supposed to be. And that causes us to develop this feeling of disconnect. You know, it's like, okay, like I know something is not right. I know that I'm not living out the, the life that Christ saved me to live out as a Christian. Um, and I want to start off by telling you if, you know, you have that feeling in your life, if you um, realize that there are things that aren't lining up with uh, who you claim to be as a Christian, um, that is a good thing because that means that the Holy Spirit is convicting you. You know, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you and he's showing you, hey, you know what? Yes, something's off. Something is wrong. You got it. There's something that needs to be changed. Um, but what I want us to be focusing on today is what is that something? And I believe that that's something that we need to focus on. That's something that needs to be changed. The first thing we need to focus on is Jesus Christ. We need to be refocused on Jesus, refocused on our identity in him so that whenever we take these actions, these steps of trying to uh, get back in line with Christ, um, he's the one who's giving us the strength and the power to accomplish those things, actually. Um, so before we talk too much about our identity and the solution to the struggle that we end up facing as Christians when it comes to our identity, um, I want to talk a little bit more about the problem that we face. So let's talk about the, the struggle that we have. And I want to talk about that because this is probably something most of you guys are familiar with. But wise counselors, they always say, you know, the first step to progress is that you have to admit that there's a problem. Okay, so that's the first step to progress. So I want to ask you guys this question. How many of you have ever had thoughts like these before? Okay, so I just, I don't understand myself. I want to do what is good, but I don't do it. I want to do, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life? Um, now, I, you can fill in uh, the blank with some different ideas and thoughts. You know, um, it's resolution time and everything, New Year's. Uh, maybe you really want to go uh, to the gym and you want to incorporate going to the gym in your life. You know, you're like, you know what? God has given me this body. 
It's valuable. I should take care of it. I'm going to go to the gym. That's a good thing. But then uh, maybe this is a resolution you had in the past and <laughs> you tried it. You got the gym membership. You know, you drive by uh, the gym at, uh, on your way to work or from work every day. But you just you never go in and you're like, I don't get myself. I want to do this good thing, but I just don't do it. Why don't I do this? Why can't I get this right? Um, you know, I give another example, just a simple little one. Um, maybe there's something wrong that you don't want to do. I'm noticing as I'm giving these examples, I'm about to give another one that's health related. I think that's saying something to me about my own need for resolutions this year. Um, but uh, maybe it's like, you know, I should start eating healthier. And it's like, you know, I don't want to eat the Twinkie. I don't want to keep eating these Twinkies. But every time I go past this vending machine, I end up with a Twinkie in my hand. I don't get it. Why do I keep on doing this? I don't want to do it, but I keep on doing it anyway. Um, now, like I said, these are kind of like a little bit facetious. This is a little bit of a, a lighthearted example. Um, but the reality is, is that if each of us were really honest with ourselves and we thought about our own lives, I believe we would resonate with this and we would resonate with it on a much more serious level. Um, so for some of you, it might be something like anger. You know, you're like, you know what? I have a problem with my anger. I lose my temper. I don't want to lose my temper anymore. I see how it affects my friends. I see how it's been affecting my family. I don't want to lose my temper. But when I go home, I, I just lose it. Why can't I get this right? And then the uh, follow-up in that um, of what we're reading, that emotion of like, what a miserable person I am. Who can free me from this life? That can be something that you're resonating as you are struggling with these things. Um, and then there are several other ways that you can fill in that blank. Um, but the point is, is that why I want us to uh, be thinking about this is because, first of all, I want you to know that if you do resonate with this, you're not alone. Um, I'm not going to have everybody raise their hands right now. Um, but if I did have us raise our hands, I'm pretty sure almost everybody in the room would have their hands raised. Um, now, the people online, I wouldn't be able to see what they were doing. But <laughs> maybe they would raise their hands too. Um, I know my hand would be raised. Um, so we're not alone in this. Um, but not only are we not alone because of the people around us, but these things that I just read to you, these thoughts... These are the same thoughts that Paul expresses in Romans chapter 7. Um, and to me, this is an encouraging thing. And I, I hope that this is an encouraging thing to you as well. Because what that means is like, think about Paul. Who's Paul? Paul, the apostle of Christ. You know, Paul, the one who wrote most of the New Testament. You know, Paul, the one who we read about in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, who accomplished all these things for Jesus Christ. This guy, Paul, he can resonate with these struggles. He has faced these things. He's faced these emotions, this battle against sin and against um, that, uh, that old self, that identity. And if he has struggled against those things, if he battles against those things, then maybe there's hope. Maybe there's hope and maybe there's a solution um, for this. Maybe we can find a way out of uh, these struggles that we face and the turmoil that we feel um, as we face these things. Maybe there's hope in the midst of this, these things.
And as we continue reading, we're going to see that there is hope. Um, and that hope is rooted in Jesus Christ specifically. Um, but before we get to that point, there's one other thing that I want us to do. Um, I want us to take a, just a little bit closer of a look into why does Paul admit to struggling with sin in his Christian life? You know, what's the purpose of this? What is he trying to teach us and um, reveal to us uh, through what he's saying here? Um, in order to do that, I have to give a few contextual elements for you guys. Um, the first thing that I want you to be aware of is not everybody believes that these verses um, is Paul talking about a struggle he's facing as a Christian. You know, some people believe in these verses Paul was referring to a struggle he had faced at some point in his past before he had met Christ. Um, I can't go into all of the, the reasons why people view that um, view it that way. Um, but a couple of the reasons, you know, in uh, chapter 6, um, he had uh, mentioned things like, you know, I am, uh, when we died with Christ, we died to sin. Um, sin no longer has power over us and we're no longer slaves to sin. Okay. So he talks about that in Romans chapter 6, but then in chapter 7, he's like, you know, I feel like a slave to sin. So they're like, how does this make sense? Um, maybe Paul isn't, you know, actually talking about a present struggle as a Christian. And then um, in chapter 7, uh, there's an example where he is talking about a previous example before he was a Christian. So they're like, it fits in line with that context. Um, now, having said that, I personally don't believe that that is the correct interpretation of the passage. Um, and the reason why is because whenever you read verses 14 um, through 25, you see a sharp contrast in Paul's verbiage. He goes from talking about his struggles in a past tense to talking about them in a present tense. So if we read the, the text and take it at face value, Paul is saying that he, as a Christian, faces these struggles and deals with these emotions and these things. Um, and if you're interested in reading a little bit more about that, um, the source that really sparked those thoughts for me was um, Romans for You. It's by Timothy Keller. It's a commentary. It's a great book. You can find it on Amazon. So um, he's the one who had drawn these those concepts out for me and everything. Um, so now that I've kind of laid out that idea for you guys that Paul is talking about a, uh, a post-conversion um, struggle that he faces and battles against, um, just a couple other uh, contextual elements, and you guys will just have to bear with me uh, through some of this because it does make a difference. Um, but we also need to have an understanding as to why Paul wrote the book of Romans. Um, so why Paul wrote the book of Romans is because he wanted to give the believers in Rome uh, more clarity and more understanding of what the gospel was and how it applied to their lives. Okay. Um, and so in the process of doing this, he's writing to a wide variety of different Christians. You know, some of these people are uh, Greco-Roman believers. Um, and as Greco-Roman believers, what that meant is that they didn't live their lives. Um, they weren't raised up with having the law. They didn't have all these prophecies about the Messiah and all these different things. Um, however, Paul is going to show them that the gospel message is just as important and is just as applicable to them as it is to the Jews. Now, the second group, large category he talks about, are the Jews. Um, 
And with this category of believers, before they had encountered Jesus, before they placed their faith in him, they had lived under this system of the law. And in that system of faith, in that system of belief, they believed that, you know, because they possessed the law and because um, they had it and maybe they could uh, strive towards obedience in the law, um, maybe they could earn a, a right standing before God through that process. So their identities, their faith, everything about them had centered around the law. And that's where they were at. Um, so this is why it's important for us to understand these contextual details. Um, that concept, that runs right into chapter 7, the verses directly preceding what we had read. Um, Paul is going to be addressing the Jewish people, um, the Jewish believers, and he's trying to explain to them and bring to them a clarity in their understanding that the old system that was under the law, it wasn't sufficient. You couldn't be made right before God through that system. And the reason why is because there's a sin nature. We have a sin nature. Um, Paul explains his own experience where um, the law would uh, be revealed to him and he would develop this understanding. It's like, okay, I'm not supposed to covet. But as soon as he realized that he wasn't supposed to covet and that that was going to lead him into uh, sinning against God, that that was going to lead him to death because the consequences of sin is death. When he realized that, sin took advantage of the situation and produced temptation in him, which led him to sin. He was a slave to that, and so sin uh, caused death in him, and it had defeated him. Sin had defeated him in that sense. Um, and he was under God's wrath. However, he develops this understanding for us that, and he goes into uh, verse 14 to develop this understanding for us. Um, and that is that he, in verse 14, he switches over. He talks about it in a present tense. He says that there is still a struggle. He still faces this struggle, a struggle against sin. But in verse 14, he identifies uh, something key for us. He says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human. So he's identifying the, the problem. The problem, um, the reason why I have this uh, identity crisis so to say well the reason why i have these struggles is because of my flesh because of my humanity because there is this sin nature that's why i'm facing these things and so we think about it why is paul admitting to this stuff why is he admitting to a present struggle and i believe the answer to that is tied right into why he had admitted that he had a struggle beforehand as well the reason why he is trying to explain this to us is because because Paul wanted believers then and he wants believers now to understand that um, this faith, um, Christianity, what it's about, um, it's not about a, a system. It's not about just ethics. It's Christianity, being a Christian, isn't just I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, I do this, I do that. Christianity isn't just about those things. What Christianity really is about is that I belong to Jesus. I have placed my faith in him and I am chasing after Jesus Christ. And yes, I do these things, but I do these things because of Jesus Christ, because I am pursuing him. Um, and he wanted them to understand that. Um, and I think it's important for us to understand that because of this. I'd mentioned that a lot of times we get distracted uh, from Jesus Christ. We get distracted from understanding 
him as the person, as the source of our identity and what he's accomplished for us as our source of identity. And when we do that, we see those, those things in our lives that seem disconnected. So we'll be like, you know what? If I was a Christian, I would be reading my Bible more. If I was a Christian, I wouldn't be losing my temper. If I was a Christian, I would do this. I'd do that. And so we start trying to treat the symptoms. We're like, okay, uh, in order for me to be made right before God, I just need to start doing these things. You know, I just need to read my Bible more. I just, I need to come to church. You know, those are good things. I'm not saying that uh, they're not going to lead you in a right direction. But if our focus um, and our, our motivation, our efforts and our faith are completely centered around just the actions that we are taking in our own strength and we're not focusing on Jesus as the motivation behind our actions, that's when we get trapped into this loop. We try in our own strength to make these changes in our lives. And then we end up failing. And then we keep on trying and we keep on failing. There's this battle between our flesh and our, our identities in Christ. And when we're not going to Christ, when we're not acknowledging him, then we don't have his power um, helping us and making the changes that we need to make. So that's why we need to refocus on Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know if I, I don't think there was a, there may have been a slide up. It said, who before do. So that's the title of the sermon, who before do. That's why I'm, that's, it's titled that way. We need to focus on Christ before we start trying to uh, make these changes in our lives because he's the one who is going to empower us to be able to have success in these things. Okay, so if we make our faith and our identity as Christians um, just about a system of ethics, just about religion, then we're going to end up getting caught in a trap where we end up failing. Um, and uh, we're going to feel discouraged in our lives. And we're going to um, have, well, really what it's going to do is we're not going to be able to live, our, live out our lives with the joy that Christ has for us. We're not going to live our lives out with uh, that that hope, that confidence that we can have in our relationship with Christ when we do have a right identity with him. Um, so that's where we're at. That's the problem that we're facing. However, we see something in verse 14 that Paul does. Um, no, in verse 24. We see something that Paul does in verse 24 that's super, super essential, super crucial for us. Um, and this is this. He asks the question, he says like, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life? And that who will free me from this life is the thing that I want us to take a moment and to think about. You know, if you feel like you're trapped in this system where you're trying to do the Christian uh, thing in your own strength. And you're not doing it through the power of Jesus Christ. You're not doing it through the Holy Spirit. um, Take a moment, pause and be like, okay, who can set me free from this? That who, according to Paul, is Jesus Christ. And we read about that in verse 25. He says, thank God the answer is Jesus. So we talked about the problem. You know, the problem is that we have a struggle with our identity. We have the human flesh that causes us to desire sin. Even as Christians, we still have uh, this struggle, this battle against the flesh. But there's a key difference. Um, in the past, it had defeated us. It had defeated us because we didn't have Christ. We didn't have um, his atonement, his salvation covering for our sins. 
But now, in Christ, when we place our faith in him, now we have his atonement. Now his sacrifice applies to us. And so sin does not have the ultimate victory over us. It no longer has that power over us. And so we can take a claim of that identity and we can be like, okay, God, um, you know what? I might struggle at moments in my life now, but I don't have to let that define me. You've given me your Holy Spirit to give me ability to work past these things in this moment. But even if I do struggle, I know in the end, it's not going to have victory over me. In the end, sin will, that sin will go away. Those struggles will go away and I will be in, secure in, in you. I will be with you in, uh, in the kingdom. And so we have this hope. We know that we will have victory because he had victory. Um, and he secured that victory for us. Um, we also were talking about, um, you know, what's the source of this problem that we have? It's the source of this struggle we face. Well, it's because of our humanity, because of our sin. Um, that's in nature. Again, that's going to be put behind. That's going to be defeated uh, because of what Christ has done for us. Um, and then we were talking about a solution. Um, and that solution is Jesus Christ himself. Um, so in chapter 8, um, I've run out of time, uh, but in chapter 8, I want you to, to encourage you to go home and read through some of those verses because um, there's really powerful things that he shows us about why is Jesus the solution? Why is Jesus able to give us our identities? Um, I'll just read off some of these verses for you guys um, so you can just let them sink in. Um, but like in verse 1, he says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Um, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So, you know, there is no more condemnation for us. Why? Because we belong to Jesus. We are his. And so that is a, a message of hope for us, a message of uh, security. Um, you keep on going down through, and he says that uh, God did what the law could not do for us. Um, he set his own son in a body like ours. Um, as you know, in a, in the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, he declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Um, so hear that truth, let it resonate into your life. Take a hold of that truth. Um, a lot of times the reason why these things don't have effect on us is because we have a nonchalant attitude towards them. We hear the word of God and it's like, Oh, cool. Well, really think about it. What does that mean for you? And take possession of that identity because he has made it available to you. He wants you to be uh, made new in him. He wants you to have that identity. Um, and again, there's other verses that are fantastic. Um, so I would read one more verse and then... This will be the end of, it, uh, of this uh, little message for you guys. So um, the final verse, and I absolutely love this one. This uh, follows in line with the, the songs that we have sung. Um, it's in verse fif uh, 15 going into 16. Um, but, you know, because we have faith in Christ, um, because of that, um, you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves, but instead you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. And now, now that we have faith in him, now that we have this identity, 
we call him Abba. We call Father. Um, for his spirit joins with ours to affirm that we are God's children. Um, and that is a fantastic truth. That's a fantastic uh, identity that we should take a hold of.